Hello there, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Let's Chat. I'm Claire Sands, host of the Silent Why podcast and blog writer for thesilentwhy.com, a podcast exploring how and where we can find hope through grief and loss. In these Let's Chat episodes, I chat to a guest who has experience or expertise in a particular area that can either help us deal with or prepare for loss. And through them, because I want to capture some useful magic from each chat, a bit like the Hermans on our usual episodes, I'm building a tool shed, metaphorically, of equipment to help us face and get through loss and grief. At the end of each episode, I ask our guest what sort of tool their subject is, and then I add it to my shed. On this episode of Let's Chat, I'm talking to Dr. Edward Hallowell from Boston, also known as Ned. A Harvard graduate and faculty member, child and adult psychiatrist, and world authority on ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, which is what I'm talking with him about in this conversation today. Ned has spent the past four decades helping thousands of adults and children live happy and productive lives through his strength-based approach to neurodiversity. He's written many books, including his Driven to Distraction series and his latest book, ADHD 2.0. He's been featured on 60 Minutes, Oprah, CNN, The Today Show, Good Morning America, The New York Times, The Boston Globe, Time Magazine and much more. He has ADHD and dyslexia himself and is the founder of the Hallowell ADHD Centres across America. I was curious to chat to an expert on ADHD because it had been raised as another area that brings a lot of loss with a diagnosis especially when diagnosed as an adult. And we've also got a 101 loss episode on loss through ADHD coming soon with the lovely Margaret, so keep an eye out for that one. I had so many questions for Ned, but unfortunately my time with him was limited, so I chose to focus on gaining an understanding of the condition rather than digging too deep into how it might affect loss and grief. I kicked off with Ned introducing himself, but I also asked him to explain what ADHD was off the bat. So grab an apple juice, orange juice, pomegranate juice, is that a thing? Or just a nice glass of tap water. And relax with me and Ned as we chat ADHD. My name is Edward Hallowell, but I'm called Ned. I'm coming to you from just outside of Boston, Massachusetts in the United States. I'm a psychiatrist with a specialty in learning differences, especially ADHD, which I got interested in because I discovered that I have it myself back in 1981 when I was doing a fellowship in child psychiatry. And I've been learning about it ever since. You could say I've been learning about it my whole life. I'm 73 years old, been married 35 years, and I have three children. All of them inherited my ADHD. They're now 33, 30, and 27 and all doing wonderfully well. I see this condition as a, as a trait, not a disorder. And uh, depending upon how you manage it, it can become a terrible disorder, <laughs> or it can become like a special superpower. Usually it's a little bit of both. And, and my job as a, as a doctor is to increase as much as possible the advantageous side of uh, ADHD and uh, reduce as much as possible the disadvantageous side of ADHD. The, the condition is widely misunderstood. Even the, even the name is misleading, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. We do not have a deficit of attention. If we did, it would be a form of dementia, which it isn't. What we have, what I have, is an abundance of attention. My challenge is to control it. 
and that's the that's the challenge for everyone with the with this condition it's as if we have a ferrari engine for a brain a race car for a brain going a mile a minute a runaway brain with bicycle brakes so we need to strengthen our brakes in order to turn this condition into the asset it truly can be if we if we don't then trouble awaits we can crash we can burn we can you know the prison population is full of people with untreated add so is the population of the unemployed the multiply divorced the addicted that's the downside the upside most entrepreneurs have this there are nobel prize winners who have it there are pulitzer prize winners who have it there are self-made millionaires and billionaires who have it you name a field and i'll name you someone with add who's right at the top of it i still call it add by the way because that's what it was called when i learned about it back in 1981 they stuck the h in just to confuse people but i'm still with the add so the trick is first of all to destigmatize it to learn about it discover that it can be a tremendous asset if you learn about it and then to set about doing that and and one size does not fit all everybody's add is different from everybody else's but with education with structure with coaching and sometimes with medication you you can achieve dramatic improvement in a very short amount of time so would you say you think it's it's been named wrong how how did that get that name if that's not really describing what happens is that just because they didn't know back then no, no, it, it emerges out of the medical model. And, you know, I'm an MD, I was trained in the medical model, but we study pathology. We don't study health. Uh, so the name emerged from all the negative symptoms, all the seeing it as a deficit disorder. And the positives, they forget about. <laughs> you, know? uh, you don't go to the doctor because you feel so good. Maybe you should, uh, so you can focus on preserving and promoting the reasons that you're feeling so good. In fact, I think that would be a wonderful direction for the medical field to take, but it hasn't done that as yet. Hence, the condition is given a medical-based name, uh, i.e. pathology-based name, uh, hence deficit disorder, hyperactivity deficit disorder. And are there certain people that are more predisposed to get it? Absolutely. Uh, This is highly heritable. That doesn't mean you, you inherit it per se, but you inherit the genes that increase the likelihood that you will develop it. Like virtually everything, it's a matter of nature and nurture. Both genes and life experience uh, come into play. But in the case of ADHD, genes play an especially high role for a condition in the behavioral sciences. So how common is it? What are the sort of statistics of people who have this trait? Well, it depends how you define it and who you ask. It's like How common is sadness? Depends how you define it. Now, full-blown depression, we have numbers for because the definition is clearer. With ADHD, which is is on a spectrum, as is sadness and depression, it's hard to say where one leaves off and the other begins. Edmund Burke had a great uh, remark way back in the 18th century, said, although there's not a clear line that divides night from day, no one would deny there is a difference. So there, there is a difference between life with ADD and not ADD, but where you draw that line is impossible to define. In my opinion, if you define the condition as a condition that uh, people's lives could be changed for the better if you made the diagnosis, we're talking 30% of the population. 
if you define the condition the way the diagnostic manual does, then we're talking seven to ten percent of the population. Uh, so, because the the diagnostic manual is very very strict conditions of impairment that you have to meet, uh, which would leave out someone like me, for example, and I I certainly have ADHD or ADD, but I wouldn't meet the the DSM definition. DSM is the name for the diagnostic manual. And what are the sort of the usual treatments for it? What would people usually do as a sort of first stop for this? Well, the biggest one is education. And most people don't get that. <laughs> they get a diagnosis and a prescription, and that's woefully inadequate. If you want to really reap the benefits of, of the diagnosis, and the benefits are completely life-changing, there's no condition in all of medicine that can change a person's life more dramatically, more quickly for the better than this diagnosis, in, in, particularly in adults. Uh, so education, and by education, I don't mean, uh, you know, read a paragraph and then you know what it is. I mean, taking the time to read a book. And um, I've written several, but there are many others out there. Beware of books, though, because many of them really heavily emphasize pathology and skip over the, the good side. And, and the good side is really what... Uh, gets people excited. You mean I can do that? You mean I can do that? Yes, you can win a Nobel Prize. Yes, you can start your own business. Yes, you can become a self-made wealthy person, however you define that. Uh, yes, that's all part most entrepreneurs have it. So education is the first step and by far the most powerful step. Uh, then, based on that, you take stock of where you are. What are, your, what are you good at? What are you not good at? What would you like to develop? And, and you you know, that, that's quite a bit of taking stock. Then based on that, you begin lifestyle revision. It could be at the macro level, uh, marry the right person, find the right job. Those are probably the two most important high level, 30,000 feet decisions. Or at the micro level, what kind of uh, organizing system do you use for home? What kind of shopping list do you make? How do you make sure you have time to go to the dentist and the dry cleaner? You know, that the sort of micro management and that's that's where that's what people with ADD struggle with because if, if something is not stimulating we tend to overlook it or, or or omit it altogether so education lifestyle revision and you can get help with the lifestyle revision by working with a coach now a coach is pretty much what your mother used to do minus the nag factor so a coach is someone who without nagging you can help you get organized, develop strategies to follow through, complete, undertake, so on and so forth. And then, you know, in, in that context, you may have a trial of medication. Uh, people fear medication, but they don't need to. The medication used properly is very safe, very effective. It's been around to treat what we now call ADHD since 1937. Most people have no idea that we have some 80 years of experience with these meds. Nothing lasts that long in the field of, of medication and pharmacology unless it is A, safe, and B, effective. Now, it has to be prescribed by a doctor who knows what he or she is doing, by all means, uh, because you can make mistakes and you, you can have a, a bad experience on medication. But uh, as long as it's prescribed properly, uh, the side effects are easy to manage, and uh, 
whatever the meds do is gone within a few hours. So the worst that you can happen is, is you have a few hours that, you know, you don't like, you know, I tell my patients, if you turn purple, you'll be right back to your original color. So far, nobody has turned purple, but uh, uh, it's sort of my way of saying, no matter what it does, it's reversible. Uh, the meds uh, take about 20 to 30 minutes to take effect. And then depending upon which med you use, they last from four to 12 hours. What they do, positive side, is very analogous to eyeglasses. They help you focus. They don't make you smarter, but they allow you to use your smarts far, far more effectively. They don't organize your uh, kitchen or your office for you, but they make it a lot easier for you to organize your kitchen or your office. So with focus, pretty much everything you do improves from your work life to your golf game, to your cooking, to your interacting with others. Mental focus improves everything except sleep. You know, it doesn't matter if you focus when you're asleep. And that's pretty magical. I mean, what the meds should change you as much as and no more than eyeglasses. So it shouldn't change your personality. It shouldn't, you know, turn you, change your political party. It shouldn't change your uh, food preferences or anything else. It simply allows you to focus in a, in a, a more even way and not overlook things you used to overlook. Your, your uh, boring friend can become interesting all of a sudden. Uh, your boring spouse can all of a sudden become interesting. You know, uh, chores that seemed undoable because they were so boring become doable. It, it is a major kind of uh, blossoming when, when all of those together, diagnosis, lifestyle revision, coaching, medication, when they all work in concert, you really get a new life. And that's, that's not overstating it. One of the reasons I love my job is I see this happen in my office every week. I saw, I saw a couple this morning where I, I know it's going to happen. And um, the only sad part is most people don't know about it or the ones who think they do know about it, they only have the most superficial understanding. And they, they think it's something that kids get that makes them jump all over the place and the treatment is to take medication. Well, that's just nothing compared to what the truth is. For people who are less familiar with it, what are some of the day-to-day -day tasks that would be more challenging or different to navigate for someone with this trait? Anything that involves what we call executive function, planning, organizing, prioritizing. So, you know, getting to work on time. You know, we are typically late because in our world, time is different. In our world, there are basically two times. There's now and not now. So we say the, the, you know, the proposal is due next Wednesday, not now. And it's gone until next Wednesday is almost now. And then in a panic, you get it done. And what happens in a panic is your body puts out a lot of adrenaline. Well, adrenaline is chemically very similar to the medications we use to treat ADHD. So, so problems with being on time. Procrastination is a big issue. Again, we're putting things off until they become stimulating. Uh, details, you see, something has to be stimulating to grab our attention. Well, the towel you left on the bathroom floor is not stimulating, so you don't even see it. Or the cupboard you left open is not stimulating, so you don't even see it. Even, even the, the car door isn't very stimulating. I, people leave their car door open, you know, and, and, and not because they're bad people, but because they just don't see it. I mean, you know, the extreme is a, is a stop sign. You know, we, we can see the stop sign. We're not blind, 
but it doesn't register. We don't comprehend it, turn it into action, and we drive right through the stop sign. Well, that can be lethal. I mean, you know, you can get killed or you can kill someone. Anything that that involves paperwork, boring paperwork, bureaucratic paperwork, we, we flub, we have trouble with filing tax returns, filing uh, even, even professionals forget to bill their clients. I have several uh, patients who, who are owed many thousands of dollars because they haven't sent a bill. The customer is perfectly willing to pay it. They just don't send out a bill. And in the other direction, I have many uh, patients who are way behind on, on owing people, not because they can't afford to pay the bill, but they just forget it's too boring. Anything that's boring, uh, we tend to put off, avoid, or procrastinate. So, uh, and and the fact is, getting through life in a in a successful way requires a lot of attention to boring details, and and if you can't do it yourself, then you need to hire someone, and that can be called a an administrative assistant. It can be called a uh, a secretary. Uh, you you can hire a temp, uh, whatever it is. But don't think you can just avoid it. And that's the problem. People with adults with ADD use avoidance as a, as a coping style. That becomes denial and then you're, you're losing it altogether. And, and your, this podcast is about grief. You know, grief is, is something that's notorious for people's tending to deny it, whether they have ADD or not. You know, they, they don't want to do the feel, the pain. And who would? Why, why should you? Why should you? subject yourself to that. It's, it's, uh, it's so painful. But as you know, and your listeners know, you feel so much better if you do. And, and you're showing people that not only is it not to be feared, but it's to be welcomed. Because if you don't do it, it tends to spring up years later. You know, some, someone just goes into a depression out of nowhere and you look back and, oh, yeah, I pretty much ignored my mother's death 20 years ago, you know. So how do you think somebody with ADHD would then, because obviously grief is all in the now, there is a lot of stress hormones flying around, their reaction, how would it potentially differ from somebody who didn't have that trait? I, I don't think it would differ at all. It's just that it, it tends to get avoided like anything else. I, I, I guess the short answer is there's not a lot of difference. Uh, I guess I'm just wanting to emphasize the importance of allowing yourself to feel grief. And we talk a lot about loss as well. Is there loss encountered when people are diagnosed with ADHD or before they're diagnosed with it? Is there some sort of loss attached to it? Oh, my gosh, a ton, (laughs) depending how old you are. The immediate reaction, I I tell my patients because they have a delayed reaction. And if I'm diagnosing an adult, I say on the way home in the car, don't be surprised if you feel a tremendous wave of, of, of grief and sadness for all the opportunities you missed because of your untreated, undiagnosed ADHD. The older you are, the more opportunities you've missed. And then that is often accompanied by a wave of anger. Why didn't someone tell me about this sooner? Why am I 40 years old and just learning about it now? Why didn't I get diagnosed when I was six years old? And so there, there's loss, grief, and anger. And it's better if you can feel those with someone so you can, you know, not jump out of the way and avoid it. Really feel it and, um, you know, cry and, and you know, it, it's, yeah, you, you missed your chance to go to medical school or you 
you missed your chance to become a professional athlete or you missed your chance to ask out that man or that woman uh, that you'd always wanted to ask out. And, and it was all because of your ADD or you flubbed your career because you couldn't show up on time or you went to the wrong meeting. Or, and you do, and the, the, the instances just pile up of all these things that you missed or did wrong or because of your ADD. So there's huge grief, but you want to deal with it. And deal with it means cry over it, grieve over it, mourn it. That's necessary work, just as the anger is necessary. But what you find almost invariably, and this is an interesting thing about ADD, those painful feelings soon give way to a geyser of hope and excitement and, you know, wanting to take advantage of the opportunity now that you know what's been going on and why you've had such difficulty. So it, it's, uh, if you stay with it, that excitement will come and, and, and with it comes new skills because you'll get your ADD treated. And so you, it won't, you won't be the same person trying to, trying to do these things all over again. So um, just my last question, really, if knowing that having ADHD and that kind of diagnosis was a tool to help people in the loss that they've incurred, what kind of tool do you think that is? It'd be eyeglasses. You, you've been going through life like Mr. Magoo, bumping into things, not seeing things, missing things. Suddenly you get a pair of eyeglasses and you can see clearly. And that makes a huge difference. Now, I didn't have time to explain to Ned before we spoke that my tool shed was a garden shed. But fortunately, glasses are something that are useful everywhere, including shed life. Especially reading the small print on those tiny seed packets. So I've just added some glasses to my shed for any of you that need those while you're rooting around in there. If you want to find out more about Ned, you can check out his website, drhallowell.com, and I'll put the link in the show notes. And if you want to hear more about what it's like to live with ADHD and the loss that's encountered through a late diagnosis, then keep listening for our episode with Margaret, which is coming up soon. Thanks for listening to the Silent Why podcast. If you've got a subject you'd like me to chat to an expert on, please get in touch via our social media or the website or email silentwhy at gmail.com. And let's chat. Listener.